Well, if you've um, planned a birthday party or I guess any sort of party or a wedding, um, there can sometimes, one of the most stressful parts about it can sometimes be who should be on the guest list. I remember that it was like, well, okay, if we invite this group of family to our wedding, well, that also means we need to invite this group. It's kind of like, you know, if you, there's like maybe concentric circles of closeness. Like, of course, we're going to invite all our closest friends and family. And it's like, yeah, but what about that uncle who like lives in out in California that I never really talked to? I was like, I mean, I guess we should invite him. And then it's like, well, what if we invite him? That also means we need, need to invite this person. And also then it's like, okay, if you're doing arranged seating, it's like, well, who should be at a table together? Like, oh, these two shouldn't be at a table together because they always fight. Or, oh, this person, oh, they'll be, you know, these people don't really know many people, but if we put this person there, they're going to help everyone feel welcome and whatnot. Um, and that's going to go well. And when we are inviting people, we maybe, the easiest invites are the people that were like, I just really want them to be there. I want them to be at my birthday party. I want them to be at, you know, my Christmas Eve party. Or I want them to be, you know, at my wedding. Like, I want them to be here. I'm so excited to see them. Um, I know they're going to be excited to see me. And then there's maybe people that we're putting on the guest list where we're like, oh, like, I don't really want to see them, but I have to invite them. Like, it's, you know, kind of a duty or an obligation of like, well, they're my, you know, they're my uh, aunt. And so I need to invite them. But it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not really excited to, to see them. Uh, because some people bring us joy. You want to be with them. You're glad to be with them. And some people can kind of suck the joy out of a, out of a room. And I just want you to imagine if you're making a guest list for a party and you come to uh, God. Imagine you could God was a someone that you could make the guest at your party. Uh, and as you're thinking about, I'm going to invite God, are you thinking, yes, I'll be so glad to see him. He'll be so glad to see me. Or is it kind of like, uh I feel like I kind of have to invite him. I mean, uh, it's kind of a you know kind of a big deal, uh, so I probably should invite him. But it's like, ah, but I don't really know. Is that party going to go well? Is he going to make it better? Is he going to bring more joy? Is he kind of going to kind of suck the joy out of the room? Is he going to like make everything about him, or is he going to kind of be a sourpuss? Or is it going to be a good time because God is there? And so, are we? Does the party start when God arrives, or does the party kind of end when God arrives? And I know that that's kind of like a a funny little scenario to imagine. Um, but it, it's important because, as I said earlier, our theme for 2023 is joy. And there's been, I shared uh, before Thanksgiving, I was talking about gratitude and joy and how God's had me on this journey of um, learning gratitude and how important that is and learning how important joy is. And those are very tightly connected. And there's just been a, a, a like kind of a handful of books I've read over the past year or two. And they keep coming back to joy and joy and how it's so important. And if you were to, you know, talk to me about joy, and be like, how would you define that? How do you get it? It might be like, well, I have some ideas, um, but I'm maybe in some ways I'm not fully sure how to uh, explain how to do that. So this, that's going to be our theme for 2023 is joy. Us, our joy in the Lord, uh, our joy together, and the joy of announcing good news of great joy to the world. Is that joy being uh, one of the ultimate motivators um, for why we do what we do as Christians. It's like Jesus is why. Uh, and we have joy, Jesus is why, you know, and so we, everything we do is joy in God and then enjoying each other. So we're going to do a two-week introduction. Um, today it's about God's joy, uh, and next week is about our joy and where that comes from. And then later on in the year, um, we're going to do a more full series on like, well, what is the, how do we actually cultivate joy in our lives? What kills joy? What blocks it? And so I just want to give you two questions that these two weeks are going to uh, focus on. The first is, does God make you happy? 
when you think about the benefits of knowing God, is joy one of them? Is happiness one of the benefits of knowing God? And this, I've been, ever since Hudson was born, uh, I sing to him the lullaby. I don't know if it's actually a lullaby. I think it's like a camp song, a Christian camp song that my mom would always sing to me. And the last verse, I kind of change it um, to put his name in there. Um, but it's, uh, the song goes, um, I wish for you, Hudson, this happiness that I have found. And as I'm singing it to him, I'm like, does he see happiness in me? You know, like, is it like, Hudson, I want you to have this happiness that I've found in God. And if I was like, Hudson, guess what? You know, I think to myself, as I'm singing this, is he like, I don't, Dad, you haven't found happiness. Uh, How can I have the happiness that you found if you don't have it? And so every time I sing that song, I'm thinking like, Am I happy, God? Am I happy in you? Have I found happiness uh, in you, joy in you? And is that how Hudson would describe me as someone who's happy? So if one question is, does God make you happy? The second question is, uh, is God happy? If someone asked you, what is God like, would you ever say, God is happy, God is full of joy, God is overflowing with joy and happiness? Uh, like, is it, would it be true that heaven is like, what do you, if you're thinking, well, I'm going to die and go to heaven and see God, what's he going to be like? Is heaven going to be a God who is full of joy and happiness? Is it, a, you know, heaven a place of happiness or is it uh, something else? And so today we're going to talk about, is God happy? And next week we're going to talk about, does God make you happy? Uh, and you may, you know, why does this matter? I'll just give you one quote from some of these books I've read. The one said, uh, God designed our brains to run on joy like a car runs on fuel. Our brains desire joy more than any other thing. As we go through our day, our right brains are scanning our surroundings, looking for people who are happy to be with us. So that means when you walked in this room, you didn't even think about it probably, uh, that you just, you scanned the room to see, is this place that people are happy to see me, glad to see me, or is it kind of like, people got a look on their face? And you know it, when you walk into a room, it's like, oh, did I feel like, brought into it, welcomed, accepted, or did it feel like, that was kind of cold, or those people didn't really care that I was there, they didn't really greet me. Greetings are a huge deal with determining, is this going to be a joyful encounter or, or not? And just three, you know, a couple of things about joy. Joy is relational. You may think like, well, what I really enjoy um, you know, is fishing, and that may be true, or what I really enjoy is, I don't know, watching monster truck derbies, I don't know, is that what they're called, monster truck derbies, but and it's like, well, you know, there's Things about that that can you know we can enjoy about it, but joy in its essence is relational. It has to be connected to another person. It's relational, and joy says, "I want to be with you." That we express joy to someone by saying, "I want to be with you. I like you. I'm glad to see you. I'm happy that you're here." And we also uh, see that in others that they're expressing to us, I, "I'm glad to see you." And it's this thing that goes back and forth. It's, "I want to be with you," uh, and joy is primarily transmitted through the face. Uh, and mostly through the eyes, that we can tell if someone is happy to see us by, maybe they're saying, welcome, but in the eyes, no joy, coldness. And so joy is relational, it says, I want to be with you, and it's primarily transmitted through the face. And so why joy is important in these things that I just said is because God is always with us. He's always with us. And so the question is, is he happy to be with us? Uh, is he glad to be with us? Is he saying, I want to be with you? Uh, I'm glad to see you. And Jesus says that when we surrender our lives to him, he and God the Father send the Holy Spirit to, uh, to make their home with us. And so God, it's like that's one of the core elements of the gospel, the good news, is that 
God has made us right with him through Jesus' death on the cross, and now he's with us through the Holy Spirit. And the question is, is that a good thing? Is he glad to be with us? Is he happy to be with us? And so of all people in the entire world that you should want to know, are they glad to be with me? Is God, because he's with you 24-7, 365 days out of the year, uh, whether you believe in him or not. And so do we want that? Do we want God to make his home with us? Or is he kind of like the grumpy person that you know comes and stays for the weekend and kind of critiques everything you do? Like, you're stirring that meat wrong. Or, wow, your floors look like they need cleaning. Is that God? Or is he glad to be with us? It's, it's, which one is it? And for you to make it personal, um, maybe just write in your bulletin or think to yourself, how would you answer that? Is God happy? Is God joyful? And, you know, you don't have to say it out loud, but, like, to yourself, like, be honest. Like, when you think of God, do you see someone... You know, with a smile on his face, someone who's joyful, who's glad, who's just overflowing with happiness. So let's talk about God's joy. Why should we think God is joyful or happy? Uh, one verse is uh, Psalm 1611. We're going to be kind of in a lot of verses, and I don't have the page numbers written on the bulletin. I don't have them written in my notes, so I'm just going to share uh, these verses. But you can write it down if you'd like to look at it later. Psalm 1611 is a great psalm about God's joy. I'm going to read just verse 11. It says this. This is the person writing, talking to God. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So at, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there is pleasures forevermore. And is that how you would describe God? That he, uh, when we're with him, there's pleasures forevermore, on and on and on and on, never ending. And that there's fullness of joy in his presence. That that's what God gives. And it's like to be with God uh, is to enter into fullness of joy. And we sometimes think like, wow, they, they had like a, a, their joy was contagious. And it's like God's joy is contagious. Saying in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Meaning when we are standing in his presence, Joy will be full. It's not half full, three-quarters full, full. And there will be pleasures forevermore. That God's joy is contagious. That in his presence there is joy. And we also see that Jesus had joy. Uh, Matthew 25, 21, Jesus is telling a parable. And he's saying what he's going to say to people that uh, followed him. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That Jesus has joy. Enter into the joy of your master. Like, come join me in my joy. That's Matthew 25, 21. And then John uh, 15, 11. Jesus says to his disciples, this is right, you know, hours before he's going to be betrayed and uh, killed. And he's saying to his disciples, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So he says, I'm saying these things so that my joy, he has joy, may be in you, and so that your joy may be full. And so Jesus' invitation to us, if we want to be his disciples, is, hey, I want to say things to you so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be full. Jesus is invested in our joy, that he wants us to have more joy. And Jesus, often when he talked about the kingdom of God, uh, was calling it a party. Jesus was inviting people to uh, <clears throat> the kingdom party of God. This is God's party. God's hosting the party. And Jesus was inviting people into a party. And this isn't going to be like some lame party. Like, come on, the banquet, the feast, the party. Like, come to it. Like, this is what it's about to be with God. And so we, you know, this is just a couple of verses just to show 
um, that God is joyful and happy. Um, but why is God joyful? What, what reason does God have uh, to be joyful? So what's the reason for his joy? And I just want to give you three reasons. Um, it, it, the summary is God is joyful because of who he is. So God is joyful because of who he is. And I want to give you three, three things about him, who, who he is. First, God is joyful because God is infinitely perfect. God is joyful because God is infinitely perfect. And our usual question we ask, which is a good one, is what is God like? I ask that probably every Sunday. I'm trying to communicate what is God really like? Like he's different than the negative images we often hold of him, but what is God like? Um, And we would say he's loving, gracious, merciful, patient, gentle, faithful. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's present everywhere. That's what God is like. But then another question, instead of what is God like, we could ask, well, what's it like to be God? What is it like? What is it, how does God feel about being God? Like, what is it like to be God? Uh, what's it like to be a God who is loving, gracious, merciful, patient, faithful, gentle, all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere? What's it like to be uh, that kind of God? In First Timothy uh, one eleven, <clears throat> um, it's uh, that's in the New Testament. Sorry, I don't have a page number for you, but I'm going to read just one verse. First Timothy one eleven. Uh, says uh, it's uh, the Apostle Paul giving um, some instructions to a younger guy that he's mentoring who's a leader in the church. And he, this is just going to be the end of a verse, but he's saying, you know, teach people sound doctrine. Give people sound teaching. And he says, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I've been entrusted. So that it's like, I want you to teach people uh, according to what? In accordance with uh, the gospel which means good news, the good news of the glory of the blessed God with which I've been entrusted. Paul's been given this good news of the glory of the blessed God that he's given to Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, teach people in accordance with this news that you've seen me talk about. And so 1 Timothy 1.11, this verse, first it mentions glory, the good news of the glory of God. Glory you can think of as God's, uh, the shining outwardly of all God's godness that it's like God's shining out of his love and grace and mercy, and that hits us um, as this outward shining, this warmth, this, this light. And so glory is God's outward uh, shining of who God is in all his infinite perfections. And then we would ask, what's it like to be a God who is infinitely perfect? What is it, how does it feel to be God? Because he also says the gospel of the glory, the outward shining of the blessed God. And so glory is talking about what's it, what is God outwardly? Blessing is like, what is God like inwardly? What's it like for God to be God? And the answer is blessed. It's like, well, is God, you know, if God had an Instagram, would he be like, you know, living a hashtag blessed life? You know, <laughs> would he feel like, I'm just so blessed. It's, I'm so blessed to be me. Um, and so glory is the outward shining of God's godness, and blessed is what it feels like, the inward feeling of God's godness. Um, what's his, his experience of himself, of his godness? And so to describe God as blessed is to bundle up up all his other characteristics to describe what it's like to be for God to be all of those. And how do we describe what it feels like to be God? It would be blessed. Blessedness. God's experience of being God is that he is blessed. Uh, What's it like to be God? God enjoys being God. God likes being God. Uh, What's it like to be someone who is infinitely perfect? And so the first is that God is joyful because God is infinitely 
perfect. Second, God is joyful because God is love. That's from 1 John chapter 4. God is love. Not love is God, uh, but God is love. Like what? And it's not just God is loving, but God is love. That uh, He's like the definition of what love is. Uh, so to be enjoyed is what it feels like, is what love feels like. For someone to love you, what does it feel like to be loved? To be loved is to be enjoyed, to be treasured, to be cherished, um, to someone to take their pleasure in you, to say, when I see you, I want to be with you. That's what love feels like. It feels like joy, to be enjoyed. Somebody saying, I want to be with you. But the issue is that God could not be loved if God is just a single person God. We're going to talk a little bit about the Trinity, and you probably weren't thinking, if I wanted joy, I wouldn't be talking about the Trinity. Uh, but let me promise you that thinking about the Trinity will help us understand love, and will help us understand joy. So in our songbook at the back, uh, there's our statement of faith. Uh, in Article 1, if you want to turn there, you may. Article 1, this is how it describes God. And this is what it means for God to be a Trinity, which means... Um, Try these three persons, but a unity, unity of one God, one God. So I like to put it like this: it's like one God, all connected, but three persons, three persons, one God. And so our statement of faith says, we believe in, in Article One under God, uh, page 85 says, we believe in one God, Creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally exist, existing. Here it is, in a loving unity of three equally divine persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to draw a little picture up here on this whiteboard. And I know what you're thinking. It's just not quite big enough, so we're going to buy it. I'm just kidding. This is the one that was given for the kids, but I don't have a a more modest version yet. So, um, loving unity of three equally divine persons. Father, Son, uh, Spirit. And in the center we'll say uh, God. And so the Son, so the Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Son. And the Father is not the Spirit. That's not a great, is not. But So the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. But the Son is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. It's a loving unity of three equally divine persons. They're all God, um, but they are separate persons. They aren't. And so, so there's some you know illustrations of what does it mean for God to be the Trinity? It's like, oh, well, it's like, Three, water can be three forms, uh, wa- you know, liquid, gas, and ice. And so God is kind of like water, three forms, Father, Son, Spirit. But that's not what it is, because three forms means water. It's the same chunk of water, but taking three different forms. That's not what we're saying here. All of them are God, and they aren't, you know, the Father doesn't take the form of the Son. The Son doesn't take the form of the Father. Three distinct persons, and sometimes people will say, well, it's kind of like a clover, it's one clover, and it's got three little, you know, little leaves on it, and all connected. It's like, yeah, but that's like three parts of the clover, and three parts make up the whole clover. 
Um, but that's not what we're saying here, that it's not three parts make up all of God. It's Father is fully God, Son is fully God, Spirit is fully God. Uh, that it's um, this loving unity of three equally defined uh, uh, persons. Um, so if God is a single person God, if it's just God, like uh, Islam teaches, that there's just one God, no Father, Son, Spirit, just one God, how can a person who's alone be love? Because to love requires another person. That's the definition of it, right? Is that you're loving someone else. And so if God is, if it was just, just Father, no Son and Spirit, God is not love. Until God creates us, now God can be who he is. Now God is love. He created something. And so God wasn't love on his own. He had to make something in order to become love. Uh, but if God is a loving unity of three equally divine persons, then he is loving. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. Uh, and the way we're going to look at this is I'm going to explain these three. And the Trinity might be like, well, it's just kind of this weird thing the Bible teaches. Like we see it there, and so we call it a Trinity, um, but it doesn't really make sense to us. How in the world can three people be one? Like That doesn't make any sense. And so it kind of is like this problem we have in the Christian faith. Uh, but really, if you understand the Trinity relationally, it makes tons of sense. So, for instance, God is love. Well, how could God be love if God doesn't have someone to love? Well, because God is a loving unity of three equally divine persons. They're all God, but they're one. And so the Father is eternally God, and the Father enjoys the Son. Uh, he, the Father loves the Son like a father should love a son, and the Father, that love is experienced as joy. Uh, Isaiah 42.1, God's talking about his servant that he's going to uh, use to deliver his people, and it says, I, in my servant in whom is my delight. And then Jesus fulfills that, that the Father delights in the Son. And then when Jesus is with his disciples, uh, on the, um, it's called the Mountain of Transfiguration, and all of a sudden he's changed before them in Matthew 17, 5, and God says out of the cloud, he says, this is my beloved son uh, in whom I take pleasure, who, with whom I'm well pleased. And so the father, speaking out of this cloud to Jesus' disciples, says, this is my beloved son in whom I delight, whom I enjoy, whom I take pleasure. And so the father loves and enjoys the son. But then also reflected back is uh, the son, so the father is eternally God, and the Son is e- eternally from God. That, you know, my, if we have a kid, that kid is from us. But there's never a moment that there was a Father without the Son, that the Son is eternally from God. There's God, the Father, who's eternally existed, and the Son, who's eternally existed from the Father. And the Son also looks back at the Father and says, uh, I love you. Uh, John 1.14, uh, or John, John 15.11, Jesus talking about, enjoying the Father, that I, I love the Father and I, I enjoy the Father, that I do all the Father does and so he loves and enjoys me. Uh, and so Jesus became uh, the eternal Son of God, took on flesh on Christmas that we just celebrated and then God had these moments in time where he says to people around, look, this is my beloved Son for God's love of the world that he gave his beloved Son and he's pleasing him, he delights him and he enjoys him. And the Son saying also, I do, Jesus, God's Son saying, I enjoy the Father, I love and enjoy the Father. And the sun is, we talked about glory, if glory is God's godness shining forth, if that glory shining forth was a person, then it would be the sun. Hebrews 1 says that he's uh, the exact imprint, uh, the the glory of God made flesh. John 1.14 says, uh, then the sun became flesh and dwelled among us. And we saw his glory that if God's godness shined forth and was a person, that would be the sun, the exact imprint of his nature. 
And then the Spirit is eternally God, uh, both from God the Father and from God the Son. The Spirit you can think of as, this is the relational Spirit between them. This is a relationship of love and joy and peace between one another. And so it's the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and that Spirit of relationship between them uh, is what's called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of joy. That, and that Spirit can be given to us then, that God's, Jesus says, when you trust in me, that the Spirit will be given to you. My Father and I will give you the Spirit and will make our home on you. And now you will experience my love and joy and peace. The Spirit is a Spirit of joy. It's how God communicates His joyful love. Father to Son, Son to Father. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus' disciples say, Jesus, just show us the Father and that will be good. And then Jesus says, If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus many times said, the Father and I are one. It's like, well, wait a second, are you? What do you mean you're one? The Father and I are one, like Father, Son, two different people. But it's like if Hudson, my son, uh, was just so in tune with my heart towards him and my character and my attributes. You know, he would say to someone, well, it's just like, you know, knock off the old block or whatever. Like, he's just a spitting image of you. Like, I see your mannerisms, I see your humor, I see your character. And it's like, that's exactly what Jesus, God's son, is, is that... A spitting image of the Father. If you've seen me, Jesus says, you've seen the Father because I am the embodiment of who he is. Of all his God, all the glory of God's godness shined forth and you could see it as a person, that's me. You look at me and you see the Father. And then Jesus says, the Father and I will make our home with you. And when Jesus is baptized, Luke 3.22, we see Father, Son, Spirit there that Jesus is dunked under the water by John the Baptist and as Jesus, the Son, is coming out of the water, they heard a voice from heaven of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, whom I enjoy. And the Spirit was coming down on him, like the Father, Son, Father, Spirit, that God communicates his joyful love to the Son, saying, I'm well pleased with you through the Spirit. And then Matthew 28:19. Then we are told, Jesus says, Go into the world, I want you to make disciples, people who follow me. And you do it, one way you do it is by baptizing them, into the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Not the names, it's one God, one name, the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so now, uh, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one and enjoy one another. And fullness of love, because God is love, it means fullness of joy. That was the longest point I'm going to make, so if you're like, well, look at the time, that took a while. That was the, <laughs> that was the most difficult and complicated, and I hope that that is giving you some vision for, you know, if me and Hudson as our family, father, son, is that there should be this love between us, a spirit of love and joy between us. And so if you were to look at Hudson, and he looked just like me, not physically, but character and, you know, what attitude and whatever else, it'd be like, wow, those, that father and son, it's like they're one. And there's just a spirit of love and joy and peace between them. That, that's what it means to explain the Trinity relationally, that there's this relationship, Father to Son, and a spirit of love, joy, and peace between them. So the third thing that um, we're answering the question, what reason does God have to be joyful? And the third reason, and final, is that God is joyful because God is the ultimate giver. God is joyful because God is the ultimate giver. And I'm sure there's more reasons than these, and these are the ones that stuck out to me as I was studying. So God is the ultimate giver. Jesus well, actually, Jesus, Jesus said it, but he's dead and raised to life and in heaven at this point. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul says, As 
the Lord Jesus has said, uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so if it's more blessed to give than to receive, like Acts 20.35 says, then God is always giving, and actually he never receives something from us that he, that he needs. God is always giving to supply us with not just our needs, but things that are just for our enjoyment. But I guess you could call it a need too, because we need joy. And so James uh, 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. That everything in our life, every good gift in our life is from God. He's the ultimate giver. And so if it's more blessed to give than to receive, and God has given, just given out gift upon gift upon gift, and I think about Christmas, and you might have thought, you know, uh, you might have got a present for someone, and you're like, I'm so excited to see them open this because I just think they're going to go crazy about it. And then you saw that, and it's like, maybe that was the best thing you got. Like, I got this little pile of stuff, but my best moment was seeing that kid open their gift and being so excited because it's better, we're more blessed to give than to receive. And God doesn't have a lack, and all he does is give. He gives us life, he gives us salvation, he gives us himself, and that's love. And so, some implications. There's some different ways we could look at God. One is, we exist to make God happy and keep him happy, or else. So that's one option. We exist to make God happy and keep him happy, or else. And can you identify that with that, maybe? That's like, yeah, I kind of feel like his happiness depends on me. Uh, i got to make him happy and keep him happy, or else, you know, X, Y, and Z. Something bad is going to happen to me. I'm going to go to hell or you know, whatever it is. So that's one view of God. Today it's perhaps common that we say, we might think, God exists to make us happy and to keep us happy, or else. Uh, well, let's get rid of him. Uh, God exists to uh, make us happy and keep us happy, or else. Have you heard, perhaps you've said it, or maybe you've heard people say, like, I can't believe in a God who blank. And that's basically firing God. Like, this, that, if that's God, that's not making me happy, that's keeping me happy, I'll get another God. And so we say... It, God exists to make us happy and keep us happy, or else. What the Bible teaches is that we exist because God is happy. He wanted to share that happiness with us. We exist because God is happy and wanted to share that happiness with us. And God gives us full joy by fully giving himself. That God was happy. Fullness of joy. God, Father, Son, Spirit, Joy. God is happy. God is full of joy. God wanted to share that joy of knowing him, of us knowing the Father like the Son knows the Father, of us knowing the Son like the uh, Father knows the Son. He's wanted to share that relationship with us, that happiness, that joy. And so he created. And so if I sum up what we're talking about today with the big idea that I hope you would take home with you is God is full of joy that he wants to share. God is full of joy that he wants to share. God is full of joy that he wants to share. He's abundantly joyful. And you could say like this, God is the most joyful person you know. And I know we just talked about three persons, but I can't figure out how to make that sentence work. God is the most, uh, and you could say, God is the, the most joyful being you know, that God is full of joy, and he made us to share that. He wants to share it with us. And so for you, is God happy? Would you ask, if anybody asked you walking out today, maybe today you'd be like, well, I know the right answer is God is happy. But, if you in just your life, somebody would ask you, like, tell me, tell me what God is like. Like, you do that church thing on Sundays. I know you read your Bible. I know you pray. What's your God like? Would happiness or joy make it on that list? 
And to put it very simply and concretely, I forgot I was going to bring a little board with different emojis on it. But if you're thinking about the emojis on Facebook or on your phone, like which emoji would you pick for God of what God's face is like? Um, and it might just be like, in general, this is his face. This is what his face is towards me. This is what his face is like when I've really messed up. I know I'm not living a good life. This is what his face is like when I'm doing good. Um, it's, that's so important for us to answer. And we might say, well, yeah, but God isn't always happy or joyful. It's very clear in the Bible that sometimes he's angry. Sometimes he's displeased. Sometimes he's sad. And so uh, how can we say that God is joyful, like God is full of joy? That's like sometimes, right? Like he's full of joy now, but here he can't be full of joy, right? Because I see him being angry. And it is true that God is described as being grieved or angry or displeased. But what's interesting about joy is that it's not like an emotion that is a lot, like equal with all the other emotions. It's actually an emotion that can uh, come alongside or come on top of other emotions. For instance, let me give you one example. Um, 2 Corinthians 6.10, the Apostle Paul says, We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. What do you mean? What, always rejoicing? Wouldn't there be a little gap in your rejoicing if you're sorrowful sometimes? Like Monday I was sorrowful, Tuesday I was rejoicing, you know, Wednesday I kind of had a mix I was sorrowful in the morning, rejoicing in the afternoon. But Paul, the Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians 6.10, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Is that we can be sad, we can be angry, we can be scared, and we can have joy. That it's not an emotion that necessarily replaces what we're feeling, but it comes alongside other emotions. So we can have true, full joy. Uh, we, let me say it this way. We cannot have true, full joy without God. But God has true, full joy without us. It's like God has full and true joy within himself. And so it's not like his joy level goes up and down based on us, dependent on how well we're doing, how much we're praying to him, how, much we're, you know, how well our singing is, how many of us, if I'm coming every Sunday, if I'm you know, reading my Bible when I'm supposed to, that God's joy levels don't go up and down with that because God has full joy within himself. His joy is not dependent on us. Uh, but the opposite is that our joy is dependent on him is that he is full of joy and he made us to share that joy. He wants to share it with us. And so uh, we cannot be happy without God, but God is happy without us. And so I'll come back to the question we asked at the beginning. Do we want to invite God to our party? And maybe that's where we get off track, is that we think, I'm throwing the party, do I want God to be there? It's more like, God's throwing the party and do I want to go to it? Uh, is this going to be a fun party? Is like that God's going to be the life of that party? And the question for us is, do we want to attend? Now, at the center of Christianity is a God of joy. And we know Jesus several times would tell people, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I think usually we would say, well, okay, well, what does it mean? What is a child like? And what do I need to imitate about a child that Jesus is saying? And we might say, well, they're very dependent. Uh, they know they're dependent. They rely on other people. Um, so we, there's a humility there. It's like you need to have humility to enter the kingdom of God. But also, children are the best at joy. I think about Christmas that we just had. Uh, adults versus kids opening presents. I, I never got, I didn't get like a fraction of the excitement Hudson had for like several of, the, of his gifts. And it was, it was just so funny to watch. Like he, 
he's, he doesn't really hide it very well. He's going through the presents, and he like lugs wrapping it up, and he's like, okay, and he throws it to the side as he's like opening up the next one. But then he like would hit, and he, we'd be like, Hudson, you gotta say thank you, and he'd be like, thank you, and opening the next one, he's like just zipping through them, and then he like hit this this vacuum cleaner that Grandma and Grandpa got him. That actually sucks. It's like his own vacuum cleaner. It's like a kid one that sucks. It's a Dyson, and he just started going. I don't want to like freak you guys out, so I'm a. I mean, I don't want it to get picked up in there, but he's just like, yes, 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 thank you, thank you. He's like jumping all over the place, and then he's like, can I take this home, Grandpa? And he's like, yeah, it's yours. Thank you. Five minutes later, oh, can I take this home? He's like, and he did the same thing for like two or three other presents. He probably opened like 20 presents, and he had just these three that are just this massive excitement level. And, you know, the best I got was like, oh, nice, like, like thank you. Like, this was a really nice present. I never got into that mode of excitement. And so kids, I know that it's like this, his excitement level, it's like we can learn something from that. Kids know how to get excited. They know how to be happy. They know how to be joyful and passionate. And I think that's something that it's like you need to become like this little kid to be part of the kingdom. It's like, yeah, they still know how to play and enjoy stuff. Uh, they're not just thinking about all the you know, negative stuff going on in their life and kind of grumpy and sourpuss about it. It's like, you know, learn to you know, receive the things and be happy and joyful about him about it. So God is happy. He's full of joy and he wants us to be too. He made us to share in that. And every one of us, every person in the world is pursuing happiness and pursuing joy. And God offers it to us free of charge. And the God who made us and the God whom we worship is a God of abundant joy, overflowing joy. And he's the person in charge of the universe is happy to be in charge and that's good news, that we have a God of joy that's not dependent on us, which means it's there overflowing for us to receive and access. It's not like, well, I'm made to keep God happy, to make him happy, and if he's not, i got to be scared. It's like, no, he's joyful, and he invites us to be in that, as we saw in Psalm 16:11, that there's uh, joy, fullness of joy in his presence, and pleasures forevermore.